Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. Okay, so remember the last episode when I told you that I'd be happy to check out your artistry and that ultimately we are all artists? Well, friend of the show, listener Joe, put together a very cool logo for our Psychology on Vinyl series. It's so perfect. You can check it out on our website. Just go to refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. It's on the books and apparel page. You can see him and it there. Very, very cool. Now, speaking of which, this is episode 14 already in our series called Psychology on Vinyl, where we try to understand both the subtle and blatant psychology behind and within famous records. The record that we'll be talking about today came out when I was just a puppy. I was 19 years old, and I fell completely in love with this record. I just did. Now, I already liked the band for years, but this one was just different. It was just mature and special. It reached number two on the U.S. Billboard 200 and has sold more than 18 million copies worldwide. For me, if it would be possible for music to sound like a black and white film looks, this would be it. This time around, we will be checking out on Psychology on Vinyl, the eighth studio album by the band R.E.M. entitled Automatic for the People. Now, people my age may have sentimental attachments to a lot of REM records. Just choosing one was kind of hard for me. Uh, Some will call Fables of the Reconstruction their favorite, others Green, others Murmur, uh, Life's Rich Pageant, and then Out of Time was the one with the big hit on it. So many started there. Automatic for the People was a mostly acoustic and orchestrated record, and it was released right in the middle of a Pearl Jam and Nirvana world. But you know what? It still worked. For some reason, it still fit in absolutely perfectly. The singer, Michael Stipe, said at the time that it was a punk rock record, just a quiet one. And that actually makes perfect sense. This, yet again, is another band getting older and reflecting as opposed to being younger and wondering. And that suited them beautifully as a younger band. But this record is kind of like the skinny kid who grew into himself and now looks like a distinguished adult. R.E.M. formed in 1980 with strong indie ethics and youthful exuberance. But who would have thought that their masterpiece would come out 12 years later and on a major label. But that's exactly what happened. The gray hue of the artwork, the black and white photos of the band, it was a deep experience and one that felt really great. 
to kind of cuddle up with and listen to when it came out. There was lots of reflection on this album, reflection on time, on memories, on loss, and then finally, hope. Now, if you need a record where the first song sets the tone for the rest of the record, this is a pretty good one to use as a reference. The first song is called Drive. Now, there is immediate atmosphere. Just some background here. Michael Stipe was close friends with River Phoenix, who came to the video shoot for this song. The next R.E.M. record, Monster, would be de dedicated to River Phoenix as he sadly died not long after. At least to me, knowing all this adds to the heaviness of everything. Now, the next song you could say is literally about death. It's called Try Not to Breathe, and it's about Michael Stipe losing his grandmother. But what you're going to see as a pattern throughout this record is that the subjects are heavy, but they're not morbid. This is not a morbid song. It's just honest and actually quite touching if you hear the words through the vantage point of the elderly person, their viewpoint. Notice what he sings. He says, I will try not to burden you. I can hold these inside. I will hold my breath until all these shivers subside. Just look in my eyes. I will try not to worry you. I have seen things that you will never see. Leave it to memory, me. I shudder to breathe. I will try not to breathe. This decision is mine. I have lived a full life. And these are the eyes that I want you to remember. Isn't that great? I think that's beautiful. Now, the song most know on this record is probably the one that we're going to talk about next. Um, everybody Hurts. Now, to some, Everybody Hurts is a punchline. Some balk at this because it's just so simple. But this is what I think is great. Its simplicity was intentional. Uh, drummer Bill Berry was the main writer of this song, and he was quoted as saying that, quote, the reason the lyrics are so atypically straightforward is because it was aimed at teenagers. He also said that if you're consciously writing for someone who is pretty young, it might be nice to be very direct. In that regard, it's tended to work for people of a lot of ages. Now, that said, I love the song even more than I naturally do just listening to it. Yes, it's simple, but, you know, it's still artistic enough. I particularly love the use of the phrase, don't throw your hand, uh, like in a card game, to encourage someone to not give up. I think that's very creative. And again, if he was shooting at young people, teenagers, to try to tell them to hang on, well, mission accomplished, and I can speak to that because I was 19, and it was very, very effective. Now, there are three songs on this record that we haven't talked about that I would say are my very much favorite songs. While I like most of the songs on this record, these three are just so moving for various reasons. Now, the first of the three for me is the last song on side one. It's called Sweetness Follows. Now, just like with a lot of artists, 
Stipe's lyrics are often very open to interpretation. Now, maybe what he had in mind writing this song is not what I had in mind hearing this song. And you know what? I'm sure that he'd be okay with that, especially if it's not hurting anyone in the process, because art is subjective. When I hear personally my take on Sweetness Follows, I hear this. The song is about losing a parent. That's what I get out of it. The music sounds like losing a parent feels, if that's possible. Especially the extremely creative guitar solo by Peter Buck that is more of a cacophony than a technical solo. It's brilliant. It very much works in creating a feel. The words resonate on a few levels for me. Here's one level. The person is gone and you're totally confused. You question the relationship you had with them and you hope it was as good as it could have been because they're gone. But another thing I get from this is that often people who don't usually get together will do so for a funeral. Even if they feel they have to and don't want to, most will. And sometimes for a brief moment, because of all suffering the same tragedy, people are together and sweetness follows. Now, the reality, though, is that in most cases, people go back home. They go back to their norms and they become out of touch again and life just moves on. Now, this may not at all have been the thought process that Michael Stipe had when he wrote this. I don't know, but that's how it affected me. His words in part were, it's these little things they can pull you under. Live your life filled with joy and wonder. I always knew this altogether thunder was lost in our little lives, but sweetness follows. People come together often after a death, but people also react very differently to a death. One may be slightly affected. Another may be devastated. Still another may take it in stride, and yet another may think, good riddance. See, it's all a personal and individual experience, and those feelings can change over time. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I've told my wife in the past, and I use this phrase, and she's not a big fan of it, that I've always hated what I call death parties. Now, hear me out. Under normal circumstances, I love being a host. We both do. But when a loved one dies and you as the grieving person have to then feed and entertain people afterward, to me, that's a bit much. Hey, Chris, I'm sorry about your relative, but we're at a bean dip. Can you get on that, please? See, I can just tell you personally, I want to be left alone or, in all fairness, perhaps with a tight circle of intimate friends. But again, that's just me. See, another griever may need people all around. They want to feel less alone, and that's perfectly understandable, too. Now, lastly, sometimes with death comes a calm. It isn't necessarily a fun calm, but there's a calm, especially if the person was suffering, and now they aren't anymore. It's, it's almost like a peaceful, cloudy afternoon, gray, uh, like the 
color of the cover of this record. Not cheery, but comfortable. In a sense, in that way too, sweetness follows. The other two heartstring pullers on this record, in my opinion, are the last two songs on side two. I have so much to say about them that I'm just going to head straight there now. The first one is called Night Swimming. Now, Night Swimming is one of the closest examples of a song feeling like one is literally looking at an old photo album. Photo albums are a lost art, aren't they? While I love the ability to use a phone and take a picture anytime I want, the concept of flipping physically through a photo album can provide such a cathartic opportunity. Night swimming sounds like this. The fact that it's at night just keeps the mature and reflective feel of this record going. You can feel the cool water and the stillness in the air. It's looking back and longing for something that you did or something that you had in the past. Maybe something so innocent and real that you just want to get back there or at least close to somewhere just like it. Sure, maybe we romanticize it, but the feeling is undeniable. Now, before I forget, by the way, this album had a secret weapon that deserves mentioning. On Sweetness Follows, Night Swimming, and the next song that we're going to talk about, all of the string arrangements were done by John Paul Jones, who was the bassist, as we know, and keyboardist in Led Zeppelin. And his contributions on this record are, it would not be the same record without him being there. He put it over the atmospheric top. For example, the piano on Night Swimming by Mike Mills is absolutely beautiful, but it's, it's repetitive. And the John Paul Jones edition of, of the strings and the way that he orchestrated things just helped make that into an absolute masterpiece. Kind of a fun fact. The physical piano used on Night Swimming was said to be the exact same piano used to record the outro to the song Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. I hope that's true. The last song on this record is called Find the River. It's so good. It's sad, but it's hopeful. Part of me thinks it might be from the perspective of an old man talking and advising a young man. Another part of me thinks it's reflecting on oneself. But again, in true similar fashion on this album, it is not morbid. Listen to these lyrics. There is nothing left to throw of ginger, lemon, indigo, coriander stem, and rose of hay. Strength and courage overrides the privileged and weary eyes of river poet search naivete. Pick up here and chase the ride. The river empties to the tide. All of this is coming your way. Yes, something to look forward to. Like Drive was a perfect start to this record, Find the River is the perfect end to this record. It feels like it comes full circle. There is a lot of mourning on this record. And when I say mourning, I mean mourning with a U. But it's also being courageous. 
The song Man on the Moon is kind of a light rest stop along the way. But even the video for that song was shot in black and white and was filmed in a desert. It still vibes. Now, what I love is that R.E.M. was at the right age at this time to really be heroes of all of the then young up-and-coming superstar bands, and they were. Think about it. All of the orchestration and the strings and acoustic guitars and even an oboe solo on this album still felt right in the middle of Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, Soundgarden, and Nirvana. Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam would later, as a fan, induct R.E.M. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins, as a young kid in school, wrote a paper saying that, among others, R.E.M. was a band that was going to become extremely relevant and popular. I'm putting that in my own words. Chris Cornell of Soundgarden would team up later with R.E.M. to help the Washington Wilderness Coalition which worked to bring national forest preservation to the forefront of American environmental policy. And Kurt Cobain in Nirvana, he, he was in love with this record. Uh, to such an extent that the rumors were that he wanted Nirvana musically to potentially move in this direction next. In fact, when he sadly died and was discovered, this album was what he was playing. My, 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 my point is this. This was top of the ladder REM. It was at the right time with youth support along with contemporary peer approval. It was a moment in time. For many, their night swimming, reminiscing moment in life had automatic for the people as the soundtrack. And as we are all moving forward in age and doing our own reflecting and losing people along the way, it now may even mean more than it ever had before. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist. And for this Psychology on Vinyl series, the subject matter is the playlist itself. So we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast REM Automatic for the People playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast REM Automatic for the People. It's interesting. They called side one the drive side, and they called side two the ride side. So let's get into side one, the drive side. Number one is drive, then try not to breathe. The sidewinder sleeps tonight. Everybody hurts. New Orleans instrumental number one, Sweetness Follows. The Ride Side, Monty Got a Raw Deal, Ignore Land, Man on the Moon, Night Swimming, and Find the River. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash R-E-M, Automatic for the People. At this time, we are so, so happy to be able to introduce you to another supporter of the Refresher podcast. That would be our friends at DesignCraft. Guys, you absolutely have to check out the beautiful work that they do over there. This is no jok. They work in commercial millwork and in marble. 
they can make architecturally distinguished design visions a total reality. And they work with commercial real estate architects, designers, and developers. Now, based in Brooklyn, New York, in the United States, they provide their services from New York to the Southeast and from the West Coast to the Southwest. I'm not kidding. Check out the upscale and just gorgeous work that they do at their website, which you can find at designcraft.com. Now, let me spell that out for you because they spell it a little different. It is D-E-Z-I-G-N-K-R-A-F-T.com. You can tell them that Refresher sent you. We're so happy that they're on board. We'd also like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics report shows that we now have listeners in North Brabant in the Netherlands, which, by the way, was the birthplace of Vincent van Gogh. I love that you guys are joining us on this ride. Welcome to Refresher. As always, listen, this show would simply not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you may make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. You can also, like we mentioned earlier, check out our website for all things Refresher at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. Yolasite is Y-O-L-A-S-I-T-E, refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. You can go there for Refresher gear, as well as checking out all my books and links to friends of the show. As always... The music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by the one and only Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a huge difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time. Thank you.